hanging at the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Rampart Race and Sportsbook. It's Cofield and Company. John Von Tobel is here. Justin Watkins along in a little bit. We've got Aces Basketball as they start the playoffs. Uh, coming up on the LV Sports Network, that'll be over on our sister station, Fox Sports Radio. Of course, it's televised because the playoffs are here. So 6.30 pregame, 7.30 with the tip. One of the cool things we're sort of leading into in town, uh, just down the road from where we are, we're going to be over at Parkway Tavern later on for the Barry Odom radio show. That's a 6 o'clock start as UNLV now looks at the part of the schedule where they need to start stacking some wins, get some non-cons, SEC Vandy is in town. So we'll break that down for 60 minutes with Barry Odom, Caleb Herring, and myself, and what has been a really good crowd last couple of weeks over at Parkway Tavern. We'll tell you more about the specials over there. The uh, football specials here are amazing. You got $2 bottles for Thursday night football, and then over the weekend into Monday night football, $3 drafts, 4 bucks for the Bloody Marys. Rampart in Summerlin. What's going on, John? Nothing much, man. I feel like I haven't seen you or talked to DeMond for a long time. It's kind of been chaotic on my end. So, What's going on? Glad to be back. Oh, you know, i got to fill in over uh, at the main job at VSIN and a lot of writing. I've already started. You know, we're, we're well into getting ready for the NBA season and writing the NBA guide. Uh, a little bit of modeling, uh, you know. So there's been a lot going on, a lot going on in my life. Oh, and the two-kid thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> that'll, that'll complicate things. Um I mean, do we pay any more mind to the show before us? This is just starting to get embarrassing. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, DeMond is undefeated whenever he steps into the arena. So, I mean, I guess we can pay attention because every time a member of Copeland Company walks into that arena, they walk out unblemished and victorious. And we've only had three appearances so far. Uh, I don't think you and Adam can ever do it. I can't do it the rest of the football season. So we're a perfect 3-0. I guess if, if Greg wants to go back to the well again. And lose again. He can have Damon on, but uh, right now, Damon, what did he call you? The guy who plugs in the headphones? Yeah, something to that effect. You know, I yeah, just he can't know, sure t- he can't take right. out you. And then last week he lost to a comedian. So, uh, what was the final score today on the arena? Four two, but know. I think it should have been five two because I don't think Doug went over the uh, movie thing. And I asked him after the show, and he said I also won the uh, gambling movie debate. Oh wow! So what, what is happening? Five two victory. The judging gets loose sometimes. Well. The problem is when you listen to the show, Greg is just yelling the entire time. I think Damon had a bunch of good stuff to say at the end. I, I couldn't hear you, Damon. Oh, yeah, Steve. I even gave you a shout-out. I said, this one's for you, Steve. I appreciate it. It's I coming home. I, mean, I still want the review of the, the first, quote-unquote, loss that you suffered because right. we both thought you won. And by the count, I, I don't know. They have the sh- <laughs> Since we're afterwards, it's like, oh, hey, by the way, oh, I forgot, sorry, I left the... Can you imagine Game 7 of the NBA Finals and walking off the court and LeBron going, hey, ref, you forgot to count a bucket, and he's going, oh, my bad, sorry about that. No! You, you call yourself the arena. Tighten it up. Let's go. What are we getting paid for here? Couldn't have said it Well, we know Doug's objective. <laughs> we know Doug's objective because he hasn't, he hasn't really been very kind to Greg. 
just being on the same page because we know these guys are going to come a lot. I mean, there's... <laughs> that was... <laughs> but, uh... Now, back to the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. Okay, rolling on here on Wednesday. Back here at the book, the way Clucci. Boss of the book's going to join us at 4.45. John Hull is here. Sorry about the uh, tech issue there. We're back in... I have so many emotions still about the Jets and Rogers, and I don't know if uh, you were on air yesterday. No, you actually you were doing stuff, uh, family stuff. But I started out the show with a 13 minute. I'll say it wasn't out of rant. It was really more of a sad monologue on my life and the Jets and fandom, right? And I know you get that way with the Angels. This is a little different level. For me, so I'm trying. I'm. I'm. Oh. I'm, I'm going to really make an effort here not not to go down the the dark hole and kind of spread it out over the next three days. By the way, on the way back, that was Cade McNamara, Reno guy, who's now from you know from Michigan to Iowa, and he gets the giggles there because he talked about coming a lot. So, yeah. um, college kid, yeah. And it's you know it's okay. We got what you were saying about football that they're going to come at you. So you know, relax. <laughs> then he just exacerbates it. Just move on, right? He did it on purpose. Well, I always tell people here. If we have a cuss on the air, 98% of the time, it's going to be caught. We have a dump machine. Don't, don't then follow it up by giggling and going, I didn't mean to say that. Oh, I can't, can't. Like, just move on. Just move on, kid. But you're right. It's a college kid. All right. Immature, although I thought it was kind of funny. And, <laughs> Did you uh, giggle? Yeah, of course. It's great. <laughs> I love it. You I love that it hit him, and he's like, <laughs> okay, relax, breathe. It's going to be an interesting year. It's going to be a lot of games where you score exactly 24 points. Let's move along. <laughs> Let's move along. So you, uh, I caught your attention when I said uh, you're, a, you're a hardcore fan, but maybe not on the level of what just happened on Monday night. Oh, yeah. no, well, Because at the very least, look, was I like a true Angels fan in 2002? No. Right. But they, at least they won the World Series then and whatever, right? In my time that I would include being a true a, like Angels and baseball fan, do I get to claim that World Series? No. But at least I'm a fan of an organization that – Within recent history, has been somewhat okay and has reached the promised land. And my favorite foot, my favorite football team, the Indianapolis Colts, have at least won a Super Bowl in my lifetime when I actually cared. That was 2006. And like, really, at the top of the list now that I can kind of compare this to, at least what you're going through, are the Clippers. <laughs> and the Clippers every year. I mean, Steve, I got to tell you, I was by myself in my house when they went up one nothing over the Phoenix Suns. And I was mother-effing and cursing and throwing things. And I was telling you, nobody understood they're going to win this series but me. And then, of course, Kawhi Leonard gets hurt and everything is history. So I kind of get you there. Yeah. But, again, you're how old? You know what I mean? Yeah, 53. Right. So I've been a fan of the Clippers. You know, I'm 32, and I've been yeah. a fan of the Clippers since I was probably about like 10 or 11. But, yeah, it's not we're, we're kind of on the same wavelength, but you've got a lot more left than you when it comes to the Jets. Oh, it's, it's bad. Um, we'll break that down a couple times today. We're going to bring in a former quarterback and kind of knows the perils of the position and what it means to a team. Caleb Herring will join us. Former Rebel quarterback and host of the Barrio Radio Show. He'll be up in about 25 minutes. Um, yeah, I was feeling down in the dumps. I wonder how DeMond is feeling because he's roped himself into some bets here, and it's early, so let's not pile on. But Damon did send over a note that he is absolutely rooting against your model. So what's the rationale here? You need John to fail to make you feel better, or are you going to fade him? What are you going to do here? Because you're out of the gates, and you haven't lost any bets yet, at least by my count. Just off to a bad start, Damon. 
I'm off to a bad start, but his model is saying that the Packers are going to be so good. So I need the Packers to really be bad. So I need to, I'm rooting against the model. So if the Packers, I need the Packers to be bad. Justin Fields, I don't um, know. I, at one game, I'm starting to, you know, regret it a little bit. Well, a bit. L- listen, listen. The, the metrics here are what? PFF, quarterback offense rating, right? Yeah, overall grade. Yep. Okay, and then what else? That's it for, for that one. That's it. And then oh, we, had, now we Now, we did add a stipulation yeah. that if either one of us is within 10 PFF points right, right by the grading system, right. um, then a sweep by the other right, would then allow you to win. So, for right. example, I have Jordan Love. They're up one nothing in the series. Okay. If he sweeps but he's down by 10 points, I would win that. So you're still alive there. Obviously, DeMond is not. Right. Did you look at the grades, DeMond? I didn't need, you did it the other day, and you said Justin Fields had uh, somewhere in the 60s, right? No, it's in the rundown. It's actually not that bad. Love you. was not Love, great yeah. by the numbers because here's the thing. When PFF grades quarterbacks, you can go, you know, 21 of 30 for whatever amount of yards and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. They grade your actual pass. Like, Zach Wilson threw a touchdown pass to Garrett Wilson. Whatever their lowest score is on the quarterback throw is what Zach Wilson gets on that, even though it resulted in a touchdown. It was an interception. Garrett Wilson on one play filled the position of cornerback by reaching his left hand out, pitching it across away from the defensive back, and made a catch. Mm-hmm. So that, that throw, it's not like, hey, Zach Wilson had a touchdown. That's great for the rating. No, they grade. Was it a good throw? It was not a good throw. Right. It's a similar concept. Jimmy Garoppolo threw an interception. He does not have a single turnover-worthy play, according to PFF. Oh, wow. Right, because that was a ball that was thrown in, albeit a tight window, but then was popped up and then intercepted. The throw itself was not a bad throw, and then the result was an interception. So you look around, like those are the kind of things that you look for, which is why, to your point, Jordan Love has a lead, but he doesn't have that big of a lead. No. It's a long season, my friend. It's a long season. But the the, uh, John Vaughn model is... Working well and came out of the gates really strong, right? Yeah, it did. So um, the, for those who don't... Wait, why do you sound disappointed? Well, because here's the thing. So for, to, uh, to lay the foundation for anybody out there who maybe isn't up to par, uh, I made a model for work over at VSIN, a statistical model. We're doing it for you know experimental sake, and I have an entry in the Super Contest down at the Westgate. We're using the five best bets from the model uh, as part of the entry every single week. So best bets went 4-1. and one. If you bet every edge of the model gave you, it went 12-4. and four. So it was a fantastic week one start. The problem is twofold. One, you get a bunch of people who just see 12 and 4 and are just going to be like, I'm following, I'm in. And I'm like, it's an experiment. It's don't. one week. You're like, don't. I, like, I've said it like seven times. Like, I'm not even betting these. Like, I just, it's for the super contest and that's it. Because then what's going to happen is you're going to get people like you who are like, oh, it's going to blow up. Like, that's the point. I, but I people aren't doing that. You explained it to me. Yeah, but most I'm not people. going to be a hater. Devon's the hater. But yeah, most people aren't going to understand the nuance of it. Steve, I have to tell you this. Over the last 24 to 36 hours, I have added more than 1,000 followers on X because people are so into this thing. And it's like, I appreciate it. It's awesome. But I hope that people are understanding the nuance of what we're doing here. You're nervous. Right, I am. The hate's coming. Because here's the thing. I even wrote in the opening piece, I think this is going to be a loser against the spread for the season. Oh, wow. Like I wrote about it. I've written about it multiple times, but people just see the success of the first week, and they're like, I'm in. And I just I you, hope that people understand the nuance of what we're doing here. You wrote, so people have to read. Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> what are you doing? And it's behind a paywall. Just put up a video. <laughs> yeah, it's behind a Seriously, paywall. Seriously. Just, I mean, just put up a one-minute video every week and, and explain it. People will watch a video. They're, less than 10% will read. If it takes more than a minute, they're done. 
even even thirty seconds. It's a good point. It is. I should just pin a video at the top of my profile. Like, I think this is going to lose in the long run. Please. And then you get the other people who are like, "Oh, it's one week. Stop patting yourself on the back." Like I'm not. Can I just be happy for one day that something I thought was going to get his face kicked in just got off to a good start? It's like watching my kid go play soccer. All right. The other day he scored a goal on a kid. Was it the most athletic feat I've ever seen in my life? No, but I'm going to be happy. That's all this is. Tumon's still screwed, though. An exercise in happiness. Yes, exactly. That's all you want. We're not allowed to be proud of little things in today's society. There's always something. No, you're not. You're not. It's terrible. For more than like a day, because the the freaking sharks are circling. Every time. they are. Every time. Can't wait. But if you want to give me a follow, at me, JVT. Go ahead. It's working. Ratchet it up. It's working. At me, JVT. So we're out here at Rampart. Uh, A bunch of contests they got going on, uh, in addition to all of their... Great food specials. Try the pigskin parlay. That's a good one. Uh, if you simply make a $50 wager on a parlay card, you get free food. So you get a coupon to the deli or a coupon for the only buffet in Summerlin, the Marketplace Buffet. So cool deal. And again, Dwayne Colucci is going to be joining us a little bit later on. Uh, there's also two happy hours going on right now. Actually, a little bit later. So it's only 3 o'clock. My time's all off. <laughs> but it's uh, it's coming up here at the uh, Hawthorne Grill and also Jade. So they've got $5 drinks and select apps. So come on over. Come on over. Stop in the sportsbook. Say hi. Uh, John is here. It's Cofield. Amon's back in the studio. Uh, I haven't really had a chance to talk a lot of UNLV this week because uh, yesterday was overtaken by uh, Gentlemen's Club uh, Dancers in a Bikini Tug Award. Thanks to Steve Sear for uh, hosting that whole thing over at the Plaza. That was cool. And then we had a bunch of... Different guests on football and otherwise. 35-7 loss for UNLV. Can you come out of a 28-point loss and go, all right, there were some good things out of that? If there were good things, that's, that's kind of the thing. Is I don't know about you because you were there, but from what I watched, there wasn't a lot that you feel really great about. Unless you want to count um, Jaden Maiava's performance in garbage time, which was kind of good. Like from a you know PFF grading standpoint and from an eye test standpoint, but like when it comes and I you know it's funny you were uh, I don't think you were here because we talked about I actually I brought this up I think it was Demond I don't know, I don't know if you were here but anyway I brought up the point which was like in games like this you know we're all going to have different reads on how this is going to go and it was it was on Friday when you were making the trip and like any analysis coming out of this game is going to be subjective because you can find little things you're expected to lose by a large margin so you're going to have to analyze and see what the positives are going to be. And I really struggled to find, like, positives there. You know, for example, Doug was blitzed a lot. They blitzed him a ton. Yep. Uh, according to the PFF numbers, he got blitzed 70% of the time, and he wasn't very good against the blitz. In, oh, and quite a few of the dropbacks, he was kept clean. Like, he wasn't pressured, and he graded really poorly when he was kept clean. You know, he, he, when you're not completing at least 60% of your passes, but your average depth of target is less than six yards downfield, that's not good. So it was one of those things where – you know what you're getting into, but even coming out of it, I did not see many positives personally. Yeah. I thought he got a little victimized by some drops in key moments yeah. too. Uh, that didn't help. The line had a couple of moments, but mo- most of the good stuff on offense in bits and pieces was in the second half. Um, and I-, I will say on the Mayava thing, and I don't think we have a quarterback controversy here, but one of my biggest worries going into the season was, is this team Doug Brumfield or bust? And I don't think that's the case anymore because I think the backup can play and – I still think Cam Friel can play. He just didn't he didn't look um, prepped in the games last year, and I don't think that was his fault. And the, the game looked like it was a little too fast for him. Same mm-hmm. for Harrison Bailey. 
The defense, one of the big things they've got to solve, and they were going against a massive and good starting line. Like, almost everyone in the country now, even down to FCS, has dudes who are, you know, 280 to 340 on the offensive line. Now, the smaller schools, those guys might be 6162. The big schools like Michigan, I mean, their they're front line, they basically had uh, all dudes who were 6'5 and 6'6, except for the center, who was a tiny 6'2, 301. Um, but they're athletes, you know? They're not kind of slobbing around out there, and they just got no pressure. They've only got one sack on the year, and that's got to change against Vanderbilt. you got to move the quarterback off his point um, because J.J. McCarthy looked – it was pitch and catch. Yep. And, you know, it's funny. We have our um, – well, it's funny. I had this conversation last night, so let me not jump ahead of myself, with our podcast. So we do the UNLV All Access podcast with Caleb Herring. And I brought up the point to him. I wanted him to explain it. When we watch a game and there are open receivers, right, in slots um, and uh, little spots on the field and then crossing, is that necessarily the, the, the fault of the defensive backs and the linebackers or is it partially the fault of the front line because there's absolutely no pressure? Mm-hmm. So receivers have all day to get open. And McCarthy's just rolling out, sitting in the pocket, just tap, 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 tap. That is a problem they've got to figure out here. And with this three-three-five, we heard about a lot of attacks from different angles. Let's confuse the quarterbacks. So far, both of the you know the first two game quarterbacks have been really good. And for me, when I'm watching the first two games, to your point, especially in the Michigan game, obviously you're going to be at a disadvantage athletically. But you would think a scheme like a three-three-five at the very least would be able to provide to give you some sort of not upper hand. But in some plays, at least, to give you an upper hand where you'd be able to confuse J.J. McCarthy, where you'd be able to force turnover-worthy plays, where you'd be able to at least in some instances put yourself in a position to succeed, and you didn't do that. And the other part, that's the worrying part. McCarthy got pressured. Not even said, like you said, sack. He got pressured three times. That's, that's not good. You should be able to very least be able to generate pressures. Pressures might not turn into sacks. You should at very least be able to move a guy off of the spot, and that hasn't been able to happen consistently. The vast majority of the pressures they've generated came at the Bryant game, and even then, there weren't a lot. And if we reference you know, PFF, a lot of this comes down to if they're going to have a, a, a really good season, and I think for you and I'll be a really good season, is seven or eight wins. If they're going to get to a bowl game, They've got to have their best players play at a high level. And if you look on PFF, like so far, a lot of the guys who were the staples of the team, like Doug Brumfield has not scored out well. Uh, Ricky White, same thing. Jackson Woodard had a really good first game. This last game, he was one of the lower-rated defenders. Some of the offensive line has been a little bit down. Um, I will, you know, there is a positive. They haven't, they had a new left tackle the last two games, and uh, he's young in Anton Ambuel, and he's actually their highest-rated guy. So after playing a Michigan game, that's a pretty good sign. And they are expecting both the starting left tackle and the starting left guard back for this next game against Vanderbilt. And they need it. And they need it. They got Because they ran the ball really well in the first game against Bryant, but this last game it was, what, 61 yards on 31 carries and really no one got loose. And, you know, they got DeJesus in a couple of spots, but he was most effective in the return game. So that, that is one of the positives. Their special teams, I think they could have tackled a little better on coverage. But they're, you can see they're very dangerous in the return game. That's why I think coming up this weekend and this stretch of the schedule now, this is where you start to show the improvements. You got Bryant. You got to win. 
you went to the big boy, you got beat up, and you know you 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 got to maybe test some things out. But now, as you move forward in this schedule, I guess you're an underdog at home here against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, as Hawaii showed, is a beatable team. They have not looked good through the first three games of this season. You should be able to compete and have a chance to win that game. And as we have seen in the Mountain West, Mountain West so far has not looked spectacular so far in this young college football season, specifically the teams at the top. This looks like an open conference. Starting this week is the most important part of the schedule. It's a really important game because they're getting respect from the odds makers. It opened two. It's now four. Vandy favored. That's not a big number against an SEC team, even if it's the worst SEC program. Uh, the expectation is that, you know, you go on the road, I'm sure Vandy's like, well, they, they, I'm sure they thought the first time around in the home-and-home home they were going to win, and they got upset badly. Mm-hmm. Um, they were clearly not the better team. Well, they're an improved program, so this is a challenge. Um, you can't come up very empty here. No. If, if you don't win, it better be freaking nip and tuck. you got to send a message, and you got to send a message to the fans, and the players need the, you know, the positive input here of a good performance. Because here's the thing, and this is why it's important. Let's say you steal this game against Vandy. UTEP has looked like absolute garbage. Hawaii on the road against Nevada. That is a stretch where you can win those games consecutively if you do what you're supposed to do. Hanging out at the Rampart. Come on down. we got uh, Thursday, check that, Wednesday baseball action coming up in about 10 minutes. Caleb Herring. Now, back to the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. What are you talking about? Headline, Dwight Howard gives Team USA ultimatum, threatens to play for Taiwan, if not extended an opportunity to play for Team USA in the Olympics. Who was asking? What an empty threat. I know, right? It's like, you know what? Steve, Taylor Swift is going to lose out on a really good guy if she just keeps ignoring my DMs. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> That's pretty funny. You know, we never got to the story. I had seen it about two weeks ago about a Milwaukee bar that was offering a promotion throughout the season. Every time the Jets lose, more importantly, Aaron Rodgers loses this year, the bar would cover your tab at the table. And believe me, I was teed up to freaking go off and again mention what pukes Packers fans are and I know I'm right on this and people will try to fight back against it oh it was Rodgers no you were happy that he left because you were tired of him and you're overly cocky about your organization and we'll see what Jordan Love does this year and what the Packers do but a lot of you fans were being creeps just like you were with Brett Favre about Aaron Rodgers he owes you nothing and that promotion, while fun, is bullcrap. So last night, check that, Monday night, they roll out the promotion. Aaron Rodgers is playing. This is the beginning of the game. Everyone's all amped up. And this is the moment that Aaron Rodgers is being walked off the field. Another condition is Aaron Rodgers must start the game. But the rules say nothing about him having to finish it. So... There's a loud roar when Rodgers leaves the game hurt in the first quarter. Hmm. Oh, wow. Cheers. Yeah. What did I say? Now, do they know that it was season-ending or an Achilles? I mean, I kind of felt like it was. And, by the way, 
I was in the car. I didn't even get to watch it. But I, when I when I got to a bar and started watching and saw it five hundred times, I'm like, again, it's not Doc Cofield, but it didn't look good. It's it's the first thought I had when I saw it. Like he, he never stood up, he but. sat down, then he rolled back in frustration, sat back up, and he didn't start grabbing at his leg. But you've seen the reaction where this it's such a bizarre injury yep. with the Achilles because I don't think it's like like immense pain. I'm sure it doesn't feel good. But you know something has happened that is weird in your leg, and maybe your Achilles just rolled up. Um, but you could tell there was something seriously wrong. And there are Packer fans at this bar, and I guess the excuse is, oh, well, now the Jets are probably going to lose, so they're going to get their tab paid for. You're cheering as the guy is walking off the field. Listen to the rest of this report, and then the anchor pops in with something real good. The mood has changed considerably. That is because the Jets just won the game on a long touchdown in overtime. You can take a look. This is the reaction from a bar where people are realizing the bar tabs, they've been racking up all night, thinking, certainly with Rogers hurt, the bar was going to be paying that tab. It is setting in. They are going to have to go to the bar and pay that tab. Do these fans kind of deserve it for cheering for a Packers Hall of Famer and a Super Bowl champion and four-time MVP to get injured? Yes. So fitting, it's and I'm awesome. so glad because because the uh, the guy on the ground at the bar was making excuses for the fans earlier in the game, and the, the anchor is like, "What a bunch of creeps! You deserve to pay, jerks." And I called it months ago, and I've called it for the last couple of years. That is a spoiled fan base. I'll still never forget our guy that we had, the Green Bay Packers analyst, when we were talking about him, and they were like, "Yeah, you know, we're kind of getting tired of on the third and ones, Aaron Rodgers." And these go routes. I'm like, send him to Indy. I'll take the go routes <laughs> on third and ones. You can send that whole career over. I'll take every second of it. To your point about being just like, ah, you know, we're tired of this. Like, no, because you have no idea. You have, you went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. You have no idea what waits for you. Because if love's not going to be good, oh, boy, the purgatory you're in for. Yep. Uh, more on Rodgers. We're going to talk to Caleb Herring. We'll also get a, a little taste of what – Football is like with some people in the South. Pretty gross stuff. Some of these guys like Carson Wentz, Cam Newton, Colin Kaepernick, myself, it's not that we can't play the game anymore. It's that we're a big distraction if you bring us in. I had a GM tell me this offseason, hey, man, I know you can still play. You look like you can still play. But if we bring you in, it's going to be a distraction for our starting quarterback. But I will tell you right now, there's not a guy on the street or in any booth anywhere, including myself, that has a, that's going to give the Jets a better chance to win than Zach Wilson. None of us know the offense. None of us have those relationships in the locker room. It's going to be Zach Wilson or nobody this year for the Jets, and they got to accept that. Now, back to the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. Yeah, I respect that RG3 played the game. That was uh, Robert Griffin on ESPN. I do not agree with him at the end. Um, I think that's disrespectful to some of the guys who are available. Um, you know, the other interesting storyline on this, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, some people sent out that video. And let's take Caleb down for a second. Um, sent out that video, and they cut off the last part which basically he eliminates himself from being interested. Right. And people cut it before he said, hey, no one's going to do a better job. And one of the guys was this guy, Grant Paulson, who he does a lot of radio. He's a DC radio guy. And Robert Griffin noticed that he did that, that he didn't cut off or that he actually cut off the end, which eliminates himself and tried to portray it like RG3 is making a pitch for the job. That's not right. Of course it's not. But that's, that's, that's not right. 
That's social we should, media. We, you know, I say we shouldn't be doing that. Um, I don't do that. You shouldn't be doing that. So on, there's no one else, and they couldn't learn the system. We bring in Caleb Herring, the former UNLV quarterback. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We're good. Uh, what do you think of what RG3 said there, that uh, going into week two, there is no one else the Jets could bring in who could possibly get up to speed and make the Jets better at quarterback? I, I agree with him to an extent, and it's kind of along the same uh, <laughs> the same line of thinking that I have when I, I say that no rookie quarterback is better than any available roster quarterback that you have that's been in the program or been with the franchise, knows the system, et cetera, et cetera. So I get that reasoning. However... It it has its limits. I mean, you're talking about like the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Zach Wilson's your best option. But if you're talking about for the season, I I have a hard time imagining that if let's say oh you know a ridiculous name like Tom Brady wants to come out of retirement today, I can't imagine a world where in five weeks he's not a better option for the Jets than Zach Wilson. Um, and there's other quarterbacks. That's probably the most exaggerated example. But there's order other quarterbacks that are maybe back up somewhere right now. Um, uh, free agent even. Uh, I know Cam Newton's name has been thrown out there and things like that, but get other guys that are backups maybe somewhere else that could come in and be a better option, a more uh, sufficient option to get this team, this Jets team, to the playoffs and beyond than Zach Wilson. I, I could definitely see an argument for, for those free agents that are out there. What do you make of the element of being a distraction? Like, do you think that's just, hey, guys would be clamoring and fans would be clamoring for us to start over Wilson or just because you have a veteran behind him all of a sudden now any mistake, the leash gets tighter? Well, I think Zach Wilson being the quarterback is already a distraction. There's so many narratives around that. Like, Jets fans don't like him. That's already – it is what it is. So bringing another guy in would at least give them, you know, a a reason or some hope that there's a chance that somebody else gets it. I think, think, you know, I'm not a Jets fan, but – I could, you know, Steve could probably speak to this a little bit more, but I think Jets fans are more distracted by the the fact that this team is going to be led by Zach Wilson. If you brought somebody else in, it's not going to be any more of a distraction. Um, so that's, I think that's just kind of a, a lame excuse, honestly, to, to not try. Um, because every time you bring in a new quarterback, there's the element of a distraction. Every time you bring in anybody new, there's competition and there's, there's jockeying for position. There's who's going to be the starter. There, that's, Every season, that's the case. So um, if you're distracted by those kinds of things at this point, then your team isn't even in a place to call themselves contenders anyway. So nobody should be distracted by the element of possibly bringing in a veteran guy to potentially be the starter. Here's the thing, though. I think Steve and other Jets fans are actually kind of happy because I think they like being miserable. No, I don't don't want to get into this. I started getting into the psyche of it. I don't want to be a Cubs or Red Sox fan. Uh, before they won the World Series and become like lovable loser and you like the misery, I, I will not do that. Um, I'm going to talk brass tacks here. Zach Wilson sucks. And I almost never say that about someone that early in their career. But the, the further look I got at him, the expanded look I got at him on Hard Knocks and his personality, he's not a CEO of a franchise. They have to run a completely different offense. And this whole notion that if they brought in a quarterback – I would bring someone in. I would, I would go and try to – well, first of all, Jameis Winston is so much better than Zach Wilson. It's not even funny. And the, the, his whole history has been rewritten somehow because he's languishing on the bench in New Orleans and he's been beat up uh, of, uh, you know, of late. He's better. Minshew's better. Freaking Brissett is better. Andy Dalton is better. Uh, there are a bunch of guys that are better. And you know what? Here, here's how you handle it. 
We're bringing him in. We're going to start him. Zach Wilson, your job is to potentially beat him out, and if you don't like that, then we can release you. That's it. I, I don't know why they're playing games w- with a good team. Why are we coddling this guy? Either get the job done or you need to be gone. Let's live in the real world here. I, I, I agree. I think where the Jets are, they are a team that's capable of getting it done this year. They can very much – you saw how good they were even without Aaron Rodgers and the shock of that game. They still came out with a win. They won the game. That defense is unbelievable, right? So they, they still have a chance. They don't have time to play around with, you know – Zach Wilson, maybe, maybe not. The thing about Zach Wilson, I, I agree. I, I don't like to say the guys just suck straight out. Uh, I think that Zach Wilson has deficiencies in his game and in his capability as a leader. And the worst part about it is he's not aware of it. Just watching him on hard knocks, he doesn't yeah. seem like he knows that he's not good enough. Like it, he, he doesn't seem like he cares to be like, yeah, I need to improve myself. I need to take this a little bit more seriously. It doesn't seem like it's hit him yet for whatever reason. And maybe – Aaron Rodgers being traded to the team gave him a little bit more of a cushion because he was more than happy to just kind of be who he was as a backup. Um, but I don't think – I agree with you. I don't think he's the CEO of a franchise. Um, no. You look at him he, compared uh, to guys like Brock Purdy, and it's like the, the yep. seriousness that they approach the game with compared to him, it's like night and day. And you see the success that the 49ers are having based on that situation. I love that example. I love that example. Um with Wilson on the field, he simply does not process fast enough. And you can tell with certain quarterbacks, they just don't see the game developing in front of them. So he's ready to tuck and run pretty quickly. But the Purdy example is so good. Um, listen, I only talked to the guy for four minutes, right, during an interview, East-West Shrine game. And I was like, wow, this kid's impressive. Like almost cocky where I was like, he's kind of talking down to me. I'm like, I, I kind of like this. Like he, he is so mature. I don't know how an NFL executive could sit down with Brock Purdy and Zach Wilson, and I understand there's you know physical differences, and maybe the gap is very small, but I don't know how you could sit down with them and go, uh, that guy is going to go and deserves to go 240 or 70 or whatever spots it was ahead based on his, the mental side of things and the maturity. They're so far apart there, and you're seeing the way it's playing out here with Purdy. He is as cool as a cucumber, probably only like 85 90% with his elbow. He looks completely in command. And it, I think that's just the draft evaluation process and the hype train gets rolling on people. Uh, you, you, Brock Purdy, let's not forget, was at Iowa State was considered, and not, not like he was in the running, but before his senior year, which was a letdown, he was considered a Heisman potential candidate going into his senior year at, at Iowa State. He was that good uh, the year before he graduated. Uh, things fell off for him, so he maybe fell into the draft. But he shows the poise and the leadership that a quarterback that you want at that level. And it's beyond me. The draft, how they process and how they make the selections, I, they miss a lot more than they get it right. Let's just say that. And Brock Purdy is an example of that. He has the composure on and off the field, the talent, the skill. I don't, his arm strength I don't think is any less than, than, uh, than Zach Wilson. His athleticism, he's shown he's got some wheels so when he wants to get out and escape the pocket. So I, his decision-making is there, and those are things that were observable when he was in college. Now, Zach Wilson had a great college career at BYU, but I think the hype train got rolling because of where he was and how he performed, and maybe his persona a little bit helped him at the college ranks and his confidence there, the swagger, if you will, at BYU. But that doesn't get it done in the NFL. It, it, the, the, the cream rises to the top in the NFL, and you see that with guys like Bob Purdy, regardless of draft position. If you can get it done, you get it done. And it's shown up in a big way. I know his team's great, 
but the Jets are a great team, too. They have talent, too. They have a run game. They have a solid defense. Very similar in the structure of the team to the 49ers. There's no reason why they can't do the same thing in the AFC with a young quarterback. The excuse isn't there for Zach. He should have figured it out by now. Other quarterbacks at his age and with his draft class have, and there's no reason for him not to at this point. What's going on with the Bills? <laughs> I think it's time to blow it up. It's over. The project's done. You've now paid everybody. Everybody's got their money. They haven't won. The expectations, I think, were there for them last year to get over the hump. They underperformed based on a lot of preseason expectations last year. The roster is is aging. Things have changed a little bit. The relationship with Diggs and uh, and with Josh Allen was a thing for a while, and now it, people are starting to figure it out across the league. Yes, they're still going to be dynamic. They're still going to be explosive. But Josh Allen's gunslinger mentality, his uh, faith in his arm strength, which is something we've talked about before, quarterbacks that just have this unwavering faith in that the fact that they can fit the ball into tight windows regardless if it's a good decision or not. He's proven, Josh Allen has proven that he's unwilling to change in that regard. He's a gunslinger. He's a risk taker. He's a big, athletic, talented guy. But regardless of how talented he is, I don't think he has what it takes to lead this team the appropriate way. It's not all about his numbers. It's not all about forcing the issue. Um, and then the defense isn't as as maybe stout or talented as it needs to be to get it done. I think you might really consider at this point blowing this thing up. I, I, and it's early. It's one game of the season. But I don't, I don't think the Bills are what we thought they would be at this point. They, they were supposed to be the team to knock the Chiefs off um, maybe a couple of years ago. And now that's kind of flipped to the Bengals being the team that everybody's looking at to be it in the AFC. I don't think the Bills have what it takes to, to make a major run. Um, and it may just be an, an, an intangible thing. It's an it factor that the Bills just don't have what it takes to get over the hump this year. I think you're crazy. And I think you are <laughs> reacting <laughs> too early. No. Uh, Josh Allen needs to, he needs to grow up. Uh, he needs to have a come to Jesus moment. He ne- he does need to grow up. I, I want to get this this next thing in uh, before we get you out of here. I think this is really important. Uh, it's Caleb Herring up on Cofield and Company. Uh, Demond's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. We're out here at the Rampart Racing Sportsbook. It's JVT and Cofield. Um, I'm always uncomfortable. Not always. I'm often uncomfortable watching fans in the South and the way they behave around players of color and. We saw a really good example when Texas goes into Alabama and wins, pulls the upset. Alabama fans were all upset right in the stands as Texas players were celebrating. Damon, can we fire this sound here? Um, I think it's pretty clear. The language from the Alabama fans, I mean, are we serious? You guys are all Go back to the projects. Go back to the projects. Go back to the projects. Now, in between saying go back to the project, projects, were F-bombs, uh, I guess the traditional F-bomb, and then the homophobic F-bomb, over and over and over again, in between saying go back to the projects. I, I, I've, often, I've, I've often thought, I don't, I don't know why people, I don't know why players from outside the region go to Alabama. I understand you're going to win. Uh, and the other thing is, those same fans, I could cross-check it, but of the six players on the sidelines, Probably three of them were recruited by Alabama, too. They went to Texas. They're like, what are you doing? It, it's ridiculous. I, and it's, it's not just Alabama. It's a, there's a lot of schools in the powerful, mighty SEC or the South 
that this probably would have happened at, right? Like the tensions were high and that this, this wave of emotion comes out in that way. And it's 2023, and it, it's one of those things where it's sad that it happens, and it's also sad that you expect it from certain regions of the country. And that, I think that's yep. what's even worse about it. It's like everybody knows that the South has this stigma. Well, I think most people know and some pretend not to know that this is a real thing, that this happens. Um, and it's a shame that everybody uses those kinds of things. Even if, yes, he's from the project, even if – why does that matter as in terms of your ability to, to talk down to him or, or, or to, to chastise him for playing the game of football that everybody enjoys, that you paid good money to come sit and watch, by the way? Um, what, what's what's, what's the, the point of displaying that kind of hate at that level? What do you achieve? That guy's probably more successful in life right now than you are, just you know, on, on, a, on a face value of it. You just won a, national, uh, a game on national TV against Alabama. In, in their house. Shut up. Sit down, shut up. Keep your hate to yourself. At this point, the world is sick of it. The world is sick of that kind of behavior, and it's time that we really chastise it on the national stage. It doesn't get a pass anymore. You're not going to excuse because you're from the South, and this is how you're raised, and this is your... No, it's not tradition. You're a jerk. Leave it alone. If you can't enjoy public venues like this, like everybody else, and just behave yourself and sit responsibly like an adult, then go home. We don't want to see you anymore. It's over. Caleb, good spot. Uh, I'll see you over at the Barry Odom Radio Show in a couple hours, okay? All right, guys. Take care. Have a good one. Yeah, it's absurd. And I've often thought, what are these fans muttering about their own players? As long as they're winning, maybe the muttering's not going on. But how do they react when times aren't so hot? And guess what? Times might not be that hot this year for Alabama by their standards. Maybe they are going to be an eight or nine win team. And then are they yelling that at their own players? Right? Of course. I, look, I asked, uh, I asked somebody the other day, I don't know why if you're a young black man you would go to Alabama knowing that that's how they're going to treat that, other and players. I, and I'll be fair. It, it's some of the fans. It's not all the fans. I hope it's not all the fans. I hope, I hope the fans who are being quiet aren't thinking it. Uh, but, yeah, that's not an atmosphere I'd want to send to. If he's going to be treated like that, I don't want to play that team on the road. It's absolutely abhorrent behavior.